It's camping. It's summer camp, motherfucker. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. I like that's how we count down now. One, two, three. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of our favorite podcast. Nah, absolutely not. I am one of your hosts. My name is Tamora, and I am here on this beautiful day with my bestie in horror, Sharon. Hey. Hi everybody. Yes. Um, we've spent so we've been spending this summer going over summer camp scares, and we've done a couple of movies so far. And we've got a lot more lined up, but today we are talking about one of Sharon's picks. Which Sharon, <laughs> I didn't realize I have seen this movie, and I did see the end before. Which whatevs, but we're talking about Sleepaway Camp, nineteen eighty three. If you've not seen it, it is a cult classic, and I don't think it's a cult classic because it's a good movie, but I think it's a cult classic because it's such a weird fucking, like, not that great movie with a surprise ending that you have to watch it. You have to continue watching it. Yeah. So we're going to have a few spoilers. We may not delve too deep into the synopsis, but we wanted to have a discussion about it because we watched the movie movie separately and then we come together and then we just talk about our observations to see if each of us are like vibing the same about the movie or if we agree or disagree. Did I get that? Get that right, Sharon? No, you, you landed it perfectly. So yeah, I, I, (laughs) I watched this movie and I straight up was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's exactly my response. And I've not seen it from the beginning. So every time I've seen it, it's been in the middle, but I've watched it because it's either been on Shudder or some Shutter. kind of horror channel where I'm kind of like, oh, it must be scary and trying to figure out what it is. And then people start getting murdered left and right. And then you're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'll hang in. It's a weird movie. Um, but some spoiler alerts. In case you haven't seen the movie, watch it first. Um, and then come back and maybe you can agree or disagree with some of the points that we'll make here. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and give you a brief rundown of what Sleepaway Camp is about. Um, this 1983 horror flick, or I'm not supposed to say flick. I just learned what that word was. Okay. Well, okay. But hold on. So maybe (laughs) poll the audience. Because anytime you call something a flick, it means it's a porno. And you say movies or films for actual movies or film. But when someone says, I'm about to watch a flick, it means you're about to watch a porn. At least it used to be back in the day. So I've never said it that way. So whenever someone's like, hey, have you watched that flick? I'm like, you know, I want to talk to you about porn. (laughs) I don't want to do it. I mean... We can talk about it, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, let me know if I'm wrong. I don't want to discuss it with you. Well, I'll discuss it with the right person. But... I feel like you might need some privacy to discuss it. <laughs> Fine. Touche. Anyway, Sharon, okay. I digress. Okay. All right. Sleepaway Camp, 1983. This film was directed by um, Robert Hiltzik. I hope I said that right. And like Tamara said, this is a cult classic. It's considered a cult classic. And when you look at like the top, you know, summer camp horror movies, this comes in like typically 
the top one, two, or three. Okay, so this is about a teenage girl named Angela and her cousin Ricky who go away to Camp Arawak. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those like back east, like sleepaway camps, like which honestly, for as many of these films that I've watched, I will still would like to go to one of those like old school camps like that. Like I went to the ones in like Jason land here in the Santa Cruz mountains, which is incredibly creepy. So I actually want to go to one of these. It's like on the river where it mixes in like, I don't know. It'd be interesting. It's just a flat version of what you find out here. I'm saying that very lightly. I know there are nuances, but I'm telling you now it's, it's not going to be, <laughs> You're just not going to have the hills and you're going to feel weird because now when I leave California and I go back to either the Midwest or the East Coast where it's flat, I'm like, man, it's real flat out here. I don't see any. That is true. Actually, when I lived when I lived in Florida, it was so flat. Like the only the the only hill that there was was the garbage dump hill. So that was kind of crazy. And the clouds were pretty big. Anyway, I digress. Um, so Angela and cousin Ricky are at this camp. Now, mind you, they're at the same camp that they experienced this tragedy with, um, I don't know if it was Angela's dad or Ricky's dad or whatever, but two people died. Angela's dad. Or Angela's dad died. So it was Angela's Mm -hmm. dad who's, who has killed in a boating accident on the same lake. So they end up going back, which I don't know why you go back to the same lake that, someone that it's you not they had a choice they were kids and i know but it's the mom so... was weird the mom turns out to be very strange she is only in the whole film for i don't know four minutes tops and the, the scene the different scenes that she's in if even that but she is quite an interesting character in the whole film which is like for that that minute but you can clearly see why angela is a hot mess express essentially what happens is they go to camp, they are meeting all these little bratty ass 1980 something kids. The camp factor on this is so high. It is very John Waters-esque. Like it's totally got a John Waters vibe with, you know, um, what's her name? Gosh, is it, uh, shoot, I forgot the, the one girl's name. Who's like a total, Judy. Is it Judy? Oh yeah, Judy. Judy. She's like, hey. Judy and, and- Meg. Right. Hey, Angela. Like everything that she says is just bratty and stank. And she's got the total hair flick going on. And basically Angela and Meg are bullies to, to Angela. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Judy and Meg are bullies to Angela because they, you know, like, well, actually Angela, because she's so quiet and she's so awkward from this tragedy of watching her father be murdered because he was murdered. Uh, even if it was an accident, it was still, <laughs> it was like two kids screwing around. She's experienced this tragedy of watching her father be killed on this, in this boat on the lake. And so now she's all jacked up and she has just not been the same since. So as we fast forward through the film, we watch Angela be bullied and kind of coming of age and, you know, awakening to her full young female teenage self and you know what 1983 horror flick is it if there's not you know kids trying to you know have sex and and get busy (laughs) 
And essentially all there is is a bunch of murder happening until you get to the final scene, which I'm not going to give away right now because I think we need to just talk about the final scene in our discussion because that shit was crazy. So So, that's the wrap. That that is essentially the movie. It is not deep, y'all. It is not deep. Quintessential camp bully horror movie where all the bullies are getting picked off one by one, seemingly. And here's my question to Sherrod. <laughs> okay. Well, here's, here's, here's one of my, my first notes was, oh my God, the cutscenes are so bad. So in the beginning, <laughs> it looked like, like jelly. <laughs> when Angela's dad is, is getting killed and they're driving the boat, there's like a cut scene for when the boat is supposed to have been impacted to the dad. And then the kid who was on the skis is in the water. <laughs> And I was like, wait, what happened? Did he crash as he's in it? And he's just in the water and the actor acting is, I I call the acting like, I went to acting school. Oh my God. No. And I was just sitting there the entire time like, is this the whole movie? And that's the opening scene. So what about that? What about that? Were you just like, no, we got to watch the rest of this now. And see how this pans out because that's the point where I was like, Sharon, please, I hate this so much. And that was the first five minutes. Well, every you're right. Every single person, the way they act, it's overacting. And it starts with, you know, well, actually, Angela probably is the best actress because she says nothing pretty much the whole time. <laughs> like, like never says much right so she probably wins the academy award for acting because there is no real acting it's all facial expression which is which is one expression and she's just staring at people and then when she gets the gall to talk she's like hello i had a great time thank you i would love to make friends i was like (laughs) first of all if you've been mute for that long your first few words are not going to be an entire diatribe of what you're feeling I beg to differ. My son did not speak up until he was two. And when he spoke, he spoke in a full sentence. I'm just saying. Josh and Angela are only two people who would ever do that. So that's all I'm hearing. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Well, because cousin Ricky did a lot of the talking for her, right? Like Ricky was her advocate from the time that she came to live. But she'd be like five minutes into a staring contest getting bullied before he even came in, which Ricky... Dude, everybody needs a fucking Ricky cousin. Everybody Ricky. needs a fucking Ricky. And he was like little and he was like, oh, I'll punch you. Like he was ready to go after everybody. I'll punch you in your face. You Like he was going off on everybody. And I loved like, it. The guys were definitely, they, they all had mortgages somehow because I don't know if they were supposed to be teenagers, but I'm like, at least four of those people have two kids already in a mortgage <laughs> totally. with a nine to five. Totally. Um, Absolutely. These people are old as fuck, but they be bullying. <laughs> they be bullying Angela. And he'd be like talking shit the entire time. Like, come on, I'm going to take you all on. I'm like, damn, Ricky. And Ricky's just like this young, you know, how teenage boys, they look all wispy and willowy until they hit a certain point. Ricky and was never, did never like, look like that. Ricky was like stocky as all hell. Ricky looked like, he was, he was not that stocky. He was he like was, tiny, but he was feisty. He was little, but he wasn't like little. Like 
he looked like ah, I'm small, but I'll still kick your ass. Like that's what he looked like to me. That's that's what he was. But he wasn't like I could take Ricky. I'd be like, all right, come on, let's see what happens. Like I'm not even terrified by this. But his attitude was like, I probably don't want to get into whatever this is with you because the energy you're giving me, it's a lot. I don't know. I I was I was down for Ricky. I was kind of a stand for him. Because I felt like he had his cousin's back no matter what. And and he totally was the... I swear I remember kids like that from the 80s when I was in elementary school. Like, just like, yeah, let's fight. You know, like, just with the feathered hair and everything. <laughs> I guarantee that's a boy that I probably would have had a crush on in fifth grade. <laughs> He's a fucking troublemaker. Those are the kind of guys you go for. Sharon, hold on. Listen, I'm listening. Who who you crushed on and who you marry is two different things. Sometimes your crush becomes your marriage partner, and now you got a grown ass Ricky fighting everybody in the streets. Yeah, no, mine is. I got. I I literally got the opposite of the Ricky. Like mine is like, nah, I'm cool, man. Like don't don't start any shit. I'm I'm good. Um, and he's the love of my life. Thank you. Okay, so. The acting is bad, but it is, and it's just very eighties acting to me. No, it's bad. There are any movie <laughs> movies out in the eighties. This is bad, like notably. And I note when there's like an eighties movie, and I'm kind of like, you know, this is just the way you act in the eighties. But this was like above and beyond. Well, I what about this? I would say that the whole horror genre, with the even the thing, the acting was very much kind of like with Kurt Russell's one. Or uh, is it Kurt Russell with his one-liners? It was very intense, but it wasn't overacting. Like, I felt like the thing was, like, intense. Like, ah, everything's got to be like, ah, ooh, what's happening? Yeah. (laughs) This is just like, hi, Angela. Hi. Well, you guys, where are we going to go tonight? I'm just like, oh, the fuck, dude. This is such <laughs> bad acting. I loved I loved it because it was like she read the script. Like the the girl who plays Judy read the script. And she was and like. But, 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 the grandmother who plays Judy. That bitch was old. <laughs> totally. She's <laughs> like, her name is Karen Fields. She's like, Judy is a. 13 year old prepubescent teen who (laughs) thinks she is hot shit in her dove shorts and her bathing suit. She has just like that. It was like the description. She is snarky and mean to Angela. And then she came out with hi, what's your name? You got a staring problem. Like it was so bad. But you know what I'm going to bring back from the 80s? I'm going to bring back, and I think this came back at least once in my lifetime, the shirt with just your name on it in that font. Because Judy had that shirt on. I was like, ooh, I like that shirt, though. Right? With her name on it. I was like, I kind of like that shirt. When I, um, I'd gone to New York one year, like early 2000s, and I bought like all these like like $5 t-shirts that said I Heart New York on it. Like I Heart NY, and it was like mm-hmm. my favorite shirt. And I would just cut them and make them like little half shirts, little gym shirts. And I felt so cool. <laughs> my I Heart NY t shirt. 
And tell like, me shit. thanks, guys. There was there was an era of the I Heart New York shirts. I remember those because I wanted them. And I would go to New York with um, my friend lived there and I would visit. I was like, I need an I Heart New York shirt because that's what's in right now. It's totally, um, the, it, it's the thing. Okay, so I want to talk about um, Paul, who- Damn it. I wanted to talk about Artie, but let's let's go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about Paul because Paul looked- like he was being molested by Judy to me because she looked so mature and Paul looked young. Like he looked like he looked like he did not look like a boy that was like, well, okay. So let's just say that if they are 13, you know, 14, he looked 12 going on 13, maybe Like he looked (laughs) younger for sure. And that was a little bit odd watching the movie. It made me like, I feel like I should not be watching this kid try to make out because with her. It, yeah, it was that. And then the older guys with the mix of girls, like some of them looked really young and there'd be a couple of scenes where the guys were trying to like get with the girls, like, come on, let's go skinny dipping. And I was like, first of all, you guys are men and you can't skinny dip with prepubescent children. That's I don't know funny. if that's what you thought was going to happen, but put your pants back on. Cause this is grossing me out a lot. So those scenes because of the age discrepancy and it's so obvious that they're older than everyone there who's been scripted to be like a, a kid in this camp it it makes you uncomfortable hence the arty shit when he comes in and that was the other part where i almost cut this movie off and i was like i can't do it i can't so arty is the camp pedophile oh he's the camp pedophile he's the head chef and my note says, Artie, the camp pedophile, question mark, who works as the head chef? Like, what the fuck is this movie, Sharon? Yeah. Baldies. Oh, my God. Please stop. So there's a scene where the guys, are, where all the kids are coming in from the camp and he calls the girls baldies and makes these kind of lascivious commentary about them. He says something like, um, he's standing out with the rest of the chefs and he's like, oh, there's no such thing as being too young. Ben, you're just too old to who I call Uncle Ben Mm -hmm. because he looked like Uncle Ben. Totally. And Ben just laughs him off like, ha ha ha, that's Artie. And I was like, do you not understand what the fuck he's saying? It's not funny. That... I was like, dude, I was like, Sharon got me watching this bullshit. I know it was, it was crazy. Right. And so actually, I I actually read a review about the film later on because I was like, why is this a cult classic? Like, what is it about it? And it's, it's funny because you would think it would be kind of cutting edge. Well, look, in the early 80s you had a lot of in like late 70s to early 80s you had a lot like you know dress to kill a lot of like cross-dressing slasher films right so this is kind of a jason meets you know cross-dressing horror film well yeah right because angela ends up got it I mean, I get that part of it, but there's there's something about the movies in the 80s where if you go back and you watch these movies, because you'll remember them if you're a kid in the 80s growing up watching these films, and you 
gloss over everything because as a kid you you don't comprehend what you're watching which is one of the movies we didn't we were going to review the movie the gate but it was so homophobic and i was just like i can't in good conscience tell people to go watch this movie because i'm watching it as an adult and the words that they're using like i i don't want to talk about it and so when i watched this movie it's that same thing where i don't remember this from the 80s actually i don't know if i ever saw this movie when it came out or i did not see it but I'm watching it from the beginning now where usually I just come in towards the middle where they get ready to throw Angela in the lake. And I'm just like, if I had seen this when I was <laughs> younger, or if I had seen this from the beginning before, I probably never would have made it through this entire scene. Cause it's at least like 10 or 15 minutes in where this scene happens with Artie standing out there talking about these kids the way he's talking about it. And then he tries to post up on Angela inside the pantry. And I'm just like, this is fucking horrifying. Oh, it was awful. I mean, I'm not kidding you. When I sat there watching this like this, what the hell is happening here from the beginning? Right. Cause that's actually really the first disturbing scene that you see Mm -hmm. is besides the, you know, the, over dramatic, horribly acted boat scene that's in the opening scene. And then the very next disturbing scene is this scene with this, you're right, he's a total pedophile, right? So it was very hard. And I was like, what? But again, I, I will say I stuck with it because this is considered a cult classic. And well, already no, ends up dying or getting burnt the fuck up anyway. So that part was very rewarding, but well, and it was funny when that happened, not funny. Cause you know, but no, it was funny. Fuck that dude. <laughs> but what I did kind of trip on though, was that when that first happens and actually, and then the subsequent murders that happen, mm-hmm. no one's a good person. Like they're all skeezes. But a lot of them don't deserve to be murdered. Artie, yes, fucking for sure. But 100%. Judy, Meg, classic bully bullshit. Worth stabbing? Not really. Worth beating up, being shown a lesson? Probably. So some of the punishments were a little harsh for what they were, but there was one or two modes. Either you left alone or you getting killed. So <laughs> pick your poison. I mean, you might as well just, you know you know, participated in Camp Arawak's play and kept it and pushing how, and been Sharon, behaving. What? How how the fuck does Uncle Ben not see Artie taking girls into the to the um pantry? How does he just fucking ignore that? He's sitting right there. Yeah, but nobody okay. said a word. Well, nobody it, in that kitchen ever said anything. But if you remember if you remember they played Uncle Ben and the rest of the kitchen staff. I like that you're calling him Uncle Ben now. I know, I know. But they played him, they played all of them like they were all kind of you know, not very like they were like uh, imbeciles, basically. Well, you know? Well, the the reason I, it stood out to me because I'm like, first of all he's the head chef. How long has he been there? He Second was not the all, head chef. The other guy was the head chef. And then he became the head he chef. He said he was the, he was the head that, chef yeah. after Yeah, he said he was the head chef now that um, Artie got boiled, because he, he no, no, the- not Ben. Artie had been the head chef 
for how long is what I'm saying. Right. I know Uncle Ben became the head chef after Artie got boiled up, but I was like, Artie has been at this camp for how long and how long has this been going on and how much trauma has this motherfucker caused? And I was just like, well, yeah, but look at, but look at the main guy. Look at the the main uh the the camp owner. That guy was such a creeper too. Oh, that guy was gross. He was and so bad. He was going out with Meg. That dude was at least eighty. Seriously. So and you're I mean, going out with the Tina, and she was so excited to go out on this date with this old fucker. And I was just like, wait, hold on. How? <laughs> How is it that Meg is going out with old as Mel? Because Mel is the camp owner, I think, right? Is he the owner yes, of the camp? He's the owner. And he is decidedly like the guy you see with like if he had a cigar in his mouth, they're like, ah, you guys gotta blah blah with the white hair and the like like if his suit was like sweated out and he was still wearing it because it was a suit, like he was wearing the wrong outfit to be at the camp. And Meg's going up to him like he's the hottest ticket in town. And she's like, oh, my God. And he's beating up kids. He's beating up kids. He's a pedophile. In my opinion, she could have been no more than what, 17, 18? It was very gross. It was super gross. So I don't think like like Mel is certainly not the, you know, measurement of, you know, of, of moral goodness because he I'm like. No. He, was, he was watching Artie. He, I, I feel like they were freaks together, right? Because and he's watching, he's watching Angela getting ready to get thrown in the pool, and he's like pit, posting up on Ricky, like, "Don't go stop her. Why you always have to jump in whenever she's in trouble?" And I'm like, "Why is this the thing that you're focused on right now? Like, was- this is such a weird thing for you to be so invested in." Yeah, and he's like, "I knew you were. I knew you were every time. Every time something happens, you're always there. It's always you." You're the one who's trying to, it's you killing people. I mean, it's like, really, really, my guy, really. Um, and everybody wait, just get. Wait, can I, can we, can we just normalize bringing back crop top for guys? Because I was kind of into that shit. There, <laughs> there were so many men in crop tops and I was like, yeah, I like that. But so dude, into it. This the under boob crop top too. I was like, woo, cut it up, boo. Do but it. this whole film, um to me, was homoerotic. Yes. The very whole much thing. So. The whole thing is homoerotic. Like like a bunch of naked dudes skinny dipping together, and I was just like, huh. Like the girls don't want to come. Come on, guys, we're all gonna go together. I was like, oh, okay. And the funny thing is, is that in a slasher film, you saw a bunch of young, hot, you know, I'm, you guys can't see me, I'm putting the quotation marks up, right? Like hot guys running around in these half shirts, tight pants, tight shorts, like the one gym guy, like who's um, Mel's like, act, you know, Julie McCoy, <laughs> the, you know, activity director. He had them shorts on them. Bad boys were so tight. Man, you could see his organs. And my brother, I, I used to call those ball bangers because your <laughs> balls are so tight in there. They're all banged up together. <laughs> so I was like, everybody's in crap top and ball bangers. Do Seriously, it. Seriously, right? Like everybody's running around like that. And ironically, you only see one naked scene. That's with, right. Like, like meaning one yeah. female naked scene. 
with with Meg in the shower. Well, actually, there's two naked scenes. <laughs> there is. I know we're saving that one for you guys because when you when you when you hear about that one, you're gonna. If you've oh, not seen it, seen the movie, go watch it. The end is nonsensical, is what I say. Because I remember the first time I saw the end scene, and I was like, "This is pure nonsense. I don't even understand what's happening." Well, can we <laughs> can we reverse and talk about the mom who happens to be a doctor who's just prescribing meds to people? Um, something's wrong with her and you can tell from the beginning i was like there's no way you're anybody's doctor first of all it's daytime you're still in the house with the kids second of all the way that you're talking and your intonation and the way you're interacting with these kids is really strange oh 100 percent. and i was like i don't buy you as a doctor but i get how and i don't even understand how that played into what was happening at all like she could have been anything she could have been a stay-at-home mom she could have been a mail carrier she could have been any profession i was like but why make her a doctor that seemed really strange to me but she i didn't buy her at all as a doctor but i didn't buy judy as a teenager either so well i mean it's just bad in theory in theory is she so traumatized that by what's happened to her husband or is it her husband? No, that's not her husband. The mom is, is, is her name is aunt, um, aunt. That's Angela's auntie and Ricky's mom. So she was, she's not, so Angela's not related to her, like as this isn't her real mom, but she was calling her mom because she adopted Angela. She adopted her, right, exactly. The father, and and they never say what happened to the mother. They just said the father and the son, her brother, Angela's brother, died. Brother, in quotes, died in this boating accident, which is the first five minutes of an awful cutscene. And for some reason, she takes her, I mean, not for some reason, she takes her in, but her, the way she interacts with Ricky, her son, and Angela, her niece, is so fucking weird. I think it's time that we hit the reveals, right? I mean, you can reveal whenever you want to. I ain't holding nothing back. I think <laughs> Angela's daddy was getting busy with Aunt, uh, what's her name? What's the aunt's name? Aunt Martha? Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha's husband. And somehow they died tragically, but Aunt Martha knew and then took in Angela and decided that Angela shouldn't be Angela. Angela used to be Peter. (laughs) And Peter is now Angela, which is part of the spoiler because, Sharon, you want to talk about the end scene? So after so up until this whole time you don't know you never have an inkling of who is killing all the people in you you it does really paint it like it's going to be ricky the cousin who's killing or, everyone. um paul or paul ricky or paul it's one of the two paul is the guy who's interested in angela and gets her out of her shell right but i i, I was always like it's got to be ricky it's got to be ricky uh, but then I thought, dang, Ricky's getting jacked up too. So I don't know. 
Ricky not a secretive kind of like, I'm going to do it behind your back. Ricky's more like, I'll stab you now in front of everybody. So yep. I was like, I know it's not going to be him. So it's either Paul or it's Angela. Right. So then um, at the vi- final scene where um, you see, like, you know, now An- like Angela's lost the plot. Like she is now, she's just killing everybody. She's, she's killed Mel. She's killed Meg. She's killed Judy. <laughs> she killed the everybody. Did she, Artie's <laughs> gone? Artie, Artie, Artie was first. Then it's it was Artie. Then it was like two bullies that were just like cross paths that weren't nice to her in the camp. And then it was, um, and then it was Judy. No, I'm sorry. Then it was Meg. Then it was Judy. And then because. Paul kissed Judy because Judy seduced him. She was like, "Now you got to go too, Paul." So now everybody has milf fantasies, I guess. So then Angela now carries, you know, takes Paul over to the um the the lakeside, and she's like, "I'm ready for you now." And she essentially cuts off Paul's head. And when the police come or like the authorities come to see like what is going on. Angela stands up with the <laughs> hairiest bush I have ever seen. It's an ever. 80s bush. It's an 80s bush. Oh my god, but but the, the the creature looked like it looked like um it looked like the thing from um shoot, what was that? Um from Land of the Lost, like Chaka from the Land of the Lost, like just hair everywhere. Come like, well, oh, yeah, I think it was the bad cut like the hairy legs giant hairy crotch the hair was everywhere so it's basically her face but like the body of a hairy like small man like that looked like part monkey to me like that's how hairy this this person was mind you angela in the whole film has worn shorts She's but somehow shorts. now when she gets naked, the shorts, the hair comes out. They were the magic shorts. If you have ever watched American Dad, when Roger puts on those shorts and his legs get like super attractive, I think those were the magic shorts. <laughs> ah, that is so funny. Um, okay, well, yeah, so that's the big reveal, y'all. That is the big reveal that Angela is actually Peter. Peter. Yep. And to be fair, I think the the superimposed face of Angela on the man body <laughs> was just like a bad a bad combo. Maybe it's an 80s thing, but it's just like, okay, that's definitely like not her. Or and I wonder if like if you look at her today, if you're like, hey, Felissa Rose. Do people still come up to you and ask you if you have a penis? Because <laughs> I can't imagine you not still hearing that years later. And this probably kind of stamped you as like, oh, hey, hey, it's that chick with the penis. Um, Sharon, I'm going to share for you right now the image so you can look at it in real time. Is it this one? Do you see it? Yes. Yep. 
And it's just her head on an obvious dude's body, but the dude is so hairy all over. I don't think it's like Chaka. I think it's like 80s hair when, you know, hairy men were super attractive back in the day. But she's also doing like this hiss growl at the end with her mouth open when she's just like, <sighs> I was like, why is she making that sound? Like, why would you? What does that have to do with this? And then that's just the end of the movie. There's like no explanation, no nothing else. It's just like, okay, scene's over. Got it. But it's so <laughs> crazy because literally she has not looked like this the whole film. Like you would think no. that you would see some hairy legs or, I mean, sure she was black, you know, she didn't have any breasts really, you know, cause she's a, you know, a prepubescent teenage girl basically, you know, mm-hmm. and, but not the indicator of the nude scene like later on like it was just absurd you guys it was it is absurd it's, so it's so so it's so bad it's good which is why i said it's a cult classic for that reason it's because it's so bad it's good and it's so nonsensical the acting is so campy and overdone like you said that all those components together make it a cult classic not because it's like one of the best groundbreaking movies you've ever seen but it's such nonsense that if you don't watch it you feel like you've missed out on something so i just i just want to tell you so um the guy who plays ben uncle ben as we like to call him now is robert earl jones who looks just like james earl jones are you trying to allude to the fact that they're related I don't know if they are, but they look exactly alike. And I just thought it was funny that his name was Robert Earl, but I wouldn't know why you would name your boys Robert Earl and James Earl, but you never know. Just That'd be cute though. Um, I mean, I've seen some names today. Here's something that I want to bring up. Sharon likes to bring up the tomato meter to tell you how great her movies are. This movie got 81% on Rotten Tomatoes and it's a horrible fucking movie. Sharon, I don't understand why you have to be so aggressive about it because it also got 60% on the audience score. (laughs) Which is why I say, you guys, fuck the ratings. Don't give a fuck. Watch the movie based on what you've heard about it or what you're interested in and make your own judgments. Horror movies get a really weird rating from people who don't understand horror movies, but this movie... It's bad, but it's worth watching. But it's not a great movie. It's oh, not. it's not a good movie at all. I mean, it's definitely, it's over, over, it's not even overacted. It's just so badly acted. Um, it's like if it was on stage, a stage performance, this is what the actors would sound like. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like a high school stage performance. It's not great, but it is entertaining, to say the least. It and, is. And, and disturbing, so. and disturbing. So in between yes. being like yucked out, not even because of like the gate, like that, that's not it. It's just, you're just like, oh gosh, like why? Like, why do I have to see that? Why is she overacting? What, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing, it, it, it makes you, like you said, you're like, oh gosh, why, why am I watching this? You know? The, the I mean, creepy- I know why I'm watching it. Sharon made me watch it. <laughs> However, if you have the option to watch it, please do. But you don't have to if you don't want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. But again, I, I it's not anything that you would say, okay, these are the, 
you almost can't pinpoint why it's bad, except it's all bad. But then it's something about it makes you want to watch it. It's not like, you know, it's not even her creepy scene at the end. Like, where it's a man with a girl's head on it. It looks crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to see it at least once. And I really hope that you guys watch the movie before you listen to this podcast because we're kind of This ruining. is the one time we will say that you have to, you have to watch it. You have to see yeah. it. I definitely see it before you um, listen to this. It just as soon as you like, we should probably put that in the intro tomorrow. I stop. did. I said, spoilers. Stop. Go watch it. Go watch it first. Go watch it. Um, uh. Uh, but it, one thing I do want to call out though, that um, this is considered a controversial film in the LGBTQ community because it does come across as being um, transphobic. Um, so I thought that it was is cool. horribly transphobic. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. And um but everything about it is so politically incorrect. Everything about the entire movie. The only thing that doesn't come up in this movie that I can think of is race. That's the only thing that they left out. Everything else is just not right. It's, it's, it's like offensive. (laughs) It's like, it's offensive. And, and it's, and, and yeah. And not even in like a, you know, like a comedic, like I'm um, making a clever joke about it because I can identify with the experience. It's just, I don't like A, B, and C. And this is how I I express that. Or I'm just this person and that's just what I'm going to do. And no one's ever going to do anything about it. I'm just like, you guys make this seem like all of this is okay. And it's not. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when you like meet those like conservative people that are like all you know, gay people, you know, that should be banned. They, they're, there's something wrong with them, but then it turns out like that, then like they make a film like this. That's like, like, you're like only someone gay would know about, <laughs> about this much homosexuality. So how do you know so much, bro? How do you know so much? That's what that film makes me think of. I don't have enough insight into the gay community, though. I would love to to <laughs> <laughs> retort to that. However, I do have a lot of speculation, and I do think the way this is filmed and how it was shown is very rough for various communities. Uh, and not oh, Namble. You guys can go fucking fuck yourselves, you fucking fuckers. But what for protect for the protected communities, it isn't a friendly look into the life of like two men who are in love, whether they're having an affair or not, or into Angela. And I think part of that has to do with, I don't know if it's completely transphobic or if it is the fact that this boy was forced to become a woman because Aunt Martha wanted a daughter and she already had a son. She had Ricky. And she forced Peter, who was dealing with his grief over losing his dad and his sister, to turn into a girl. And he probably just snapped. Like, you're dealing with this grief. You're no longer who you're supposed to be. And at a very base level, no matter what your makeup is or no matter what you're you're tending to be, who you are inside is who you're supposed to be. So if someone is trying to force you to be something else, it has to snap something inside of you at some point in time and make you kind of act 
differently than you would like to behave. So I think Ricky is kind of a victim in that if he wanted to be a girl, he should have been given that choice to be like, express yourself and be a girl. But if that's not what he wanted and he was forced into that, then it's a totally different discussion. And because there's not enough background in back in the eighties, there wasn't enough insight into understanding the trans community that, that doesn't manifest itself in this film. Not like this film is clever enough to even get into that detail or that level, but the way it's done is just, it leaves a lot of open-ended questions in the air. I like to just read this brief uh, paragraph from Bloody Disgusting. Did, did you agree with that? Do you not agree? Or you no, I, I, no, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And, and, and I'm actually co-signing on what you're saying. And this is from Bloody Disgusting regarding this this love bloody disgusting uh, i totally love like yes bloody disgusting we are here for you we are we stand for you um so there's a paragraph in in this review where it says the big question is whether this film is homophobic and transphobic hiltzik doesn't have a lot of thoughts on this matter but we and many trans film critics do is sleepaway camp worthy of praise and reappropriation by the queer community Plus, comparisons to Friday the 13th, thoughts on Judy's curling iron death, um, Art the pedophile cook, and the need for short shorts and male nudity, right? So, and they're like, cross it out. Like, it's not, like, they don't give it the, like, a top rating, like, as far as, like, as high as it gets rated as a cult classic. But they're saying that, that, you know, that their feeling is that it is, transphobic and uh homophobic so yeah i know we're rep i know we're wrapping up (laughs) this podcast but at some point in time did you think Aunt martha was a guy i did and um i I, or like she was dressed as she was intended to look like a man who was dressed as a woman i actually thought aunt martha was the the guy the, dad, the, the guy from the scene right from the first scene that that didn't die because you don't right like I, that's who you I don't know what happened to her husband but he's not around and then she's very like because okay so the first thing I said when she was showing there's a scene in the beginning where she's like I put a string on my finger I forgot what it's for and I was like damn she got some big ass hands and I was like I got big ass hands too and I was like at least we in a big hands club together sis and then I was looking at her and I was like <laughs> is she intentionally made up to look like she's a man dressed as a woman or is that just how women looked in the 80s cause y'all know women in the 80s look kind of handsome so maybe that was part of it, but I couldn't figure it out because there were so many scenes in here where there was guys doing, like you said, homoerotic. There was a scene with the two guys in bed. Angela's got a dick now at the end of the scene <laughs> and you finally figure that shit out. And there were so many things that were undertone to or alluding to maybe, maybe not that there's something else or I'm just overanalyzing it because you made me watch this stupid ass movie. <laughs> And with that, with that, <laughs> I think we can wrap on this film. Um, this was definitely, I would say, in all the films that we will review in this series, this is probably the worst one. <laughs> I would say it's the worst one for sure. 
even though it is ranked in the top as cult favorite, I think it's the worst one. I think it's so odd and strange. So, Sharon, um, does this mean you're going to re- finally retire the fucking tomato meter? No. Nope. Can we just retire that? Nope. Sh- okay. No, I love Every- the tomato meter. I love it. I love it. I just want to know you to know that in the future I will bring up how the ratings don't make sense. I know you will because you will just not stop. You're going to let me know every minute how you feel about it. Just in case you guys missed an episode, I want you to know every episode that I don't give a fuck about a tomato meter. This is the Tamora meter. (laughs) Tamora says, watch it, but it's a bad movie. So bad it's good. It's like Mystery Science Theater 3000 bad. I love Mystery Science Science Theater 3000. And on that, oh wait, no, yes, more. Yes, no. On that note, I was gonna say I used to watch that show all the time, and just I know me too. And I would come home from like being out all night, and then like catch it, like and just sit there and eat like cereal. That's probably stoned. (laughs) I used to watch it. I think my brother and I would watch it, but it's I I gravitated towards it because it's how we used to watch movies as kids my mom liked a lot of old school black and white and musical movies so we've seen a lot of them but the dialogue my brother and i would have while watching these movies is just the same we would do the voiceover so when mystery science theater 3000 came out i was like oh my god other people do this too so it's a baller yeah it's pretty baller. sorry okay, let me yeah, we, I, digress. I digress. We, we digress on that okay thank you Thank you for joining us on this episode of Not Absolutely Not. And I kind of feel like this film is a not absolutely not, but you should watch it just for prosperity because it's so fucked up. Um, And I think that's it. I think it's a wrap. That's a wrap. We will see you on the next episode. Be sure to go to our website, notabsolutelynot.com. And if you want to like and subscribe, if you don't want to, don't like, don't subscribe, but get the notification so you know when the next episode's coming out because it is summer camp, motherfuckers. <laughs> you can just keep judging. You can just keep judging it and just don't like it. Just listen and judge all you want to. But we like you yes. when you listen. Yes. So awesome. farewell and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.